Welcome into Inside the Den, your look inside Lee's McRae Athletics. Inside the Den is produced for the sole purpose of keeping Bobcat fans in the know and can be found on our website, lmcbobcats.com, or on SoundCloud. Just search Lee's McRae Athletics. Now, here's your host, Tim Hall. Welcome back, Bobcat fans, to Inside the Den. I'm your host, Coach Tim Hall, and today's guest, we have soccer coach for the women team, Callie Morrill. Callie, how are you today? Good, Tim. Thank you. It's great to be back. Well, you know, it's been a while since we have uh, recorded any podcasts, and it's about time that we get this back on track. And as I looked at the landscape of things that's been happening, you are at the top of the list of the people that we should talk to. Uh, You just wrapped up your uh, soccer season recently, uh, and you had a wonderful season. And I want to talk about all of that. But first, I think I want to go back to the start. Instead of going from most recent to uh, the beginning, I I want to go back to the beginning, uh, to day one of fall practice, which seems like a long time ago, uh, but in some ways it was just yesterday. Uh, So first, looking back now, I'm curious, what after the season you've had, and we're going to get into the season, which, which was a really good one. I know it didn't go ultimately the way you wanted it to go but then the only team that it does is the people that win it all and so looking back now what has made this team unique to have accomplished what you all accomplished this year I think the youth and the energy you know we had 16 freshmen wow so how many are on your roster 31 so this year we had a relatively large roster 31 and 26 players were made up of freshmen and sophomore. Ooh, that's good. One junior, four seniors. So, which happens, two will return for their fifth year next season. So, a young team. But, you know, in, in hindsight, the energy that the youth brought and really elevated our upperclassmen and the life it kind of brought to those guys uh, was monumental in, in where, we, where we went this year. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the first question. Second is, to go back to, you have a team camp like we do, don't you? Everyone comes in early to practice and get going. Correct, a preseason camp. Yeah. So, second question is, if someone had said at that day one of team camp that you're going to go 11-4-2 and you personally are going to win coach coach of the year in the Conference Carolinas, would you have believed it? I, I, you know, the coach of the year, I won't comment, right? Because I, <laughs> I, I never think of, I never, you, as a coach, you never think that's going to happen. And yeah. that's not your concern. But right. I knew, we knew, we knew it was a big turn for us this year, even before we played our first game. Um, so would I believe it? We were slated to finish seventh, which I thought was, um, merited like warranted and and merited so uh but i knew we were much better than a seventh league finish so um because at seventh you're probably 500 somewhere around 500 you know we have we have 13 teams on the women's side in the conference so you're looking you know right right at middle of the pack and i thought that was you know coming off of our previous two seasons it was pretty respectful of where people would think that we would finish but um, you know, with 16 players coming in and a 
10 sophomore that, that got a modified season, really their freshman year, they hadn't been exposed to a, a full year. We knew that, that we were going to be better and had the potential to be better than a, than a seventh place league finish. Mm-hmm. Well, going back to 2020, uh, you were five, three and two in that modified season, which was a massive improvement over the 2019 season, which doesn't need talking about because uh, these kids that performed this year were not part of that. Uh, I think that clean slate that you have with all these, as you said, fresh faces, uh, all that energy uh, then builds on that season from last year. And, you, you know, you really, you dealt you more than double your win uh, column. Uh, I think that's, our, our team is in a similar situation where we went to nationals this year and in a lot of ways got our butt kicked. But then as, I, as I stepped back, I looked and I'm like, wow, this is most of them's first national championship they've ever been at. Like, of course this was supposed to happen. That's what happens when you have youth, uh, but you get so much inexperience that's going to pay off down the road. How did you, how do you see your team through this process of last year to this year? How do you see them? Yeah. Do you see them getting excited, more motivated, uh, more hungry? How are they utilizing this? You see it as a coach, that development going from one step to the next but how do you feel like your athletes are responding to that progression themselves? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think as of right now, our season has officially, as of today, been over only seven to eight days, which has, for us, feels like a month. Mm-hmm. So in those six, seven days, I've had a lot of conversations already with, with some of the athletes and reflecting on the mm-hmm. season. And I think the biggest piece was that that mental ability to always be competing against your opponent, right? We were good enough and we had, we had strong enough players to go out there and perform and give ourselves a chance. But, you know, in talking with a lot of these players, like that's a big piece that, that we, we missed that we felt probably could have taken us longer or further in that conference tournament, um, is, is that, that mindset, that competitor and that whatever it takes to, to get the goal, whatever it takes to not concede a goal. Um, and we'll be looking to build on that, you know, collectively with our team in the off season. Mm-hmm. Well, that brings up my next question. Like, what do you feel like are the top three reasons for this rise? Like what, I know we said the youth, we said the energy, but there's the doing of it. Like you actually have to do it. Uh, what do you feel like are the top three or more? What that stand out to you that that's really helped gain that momentum that you have? I'm going to say the seniors. There's four of them. Uh, I believe their class, maybe they came in with eight. It's that resiliency. It's wanting to see the the end picture. Because they've seen the worst. They've seen the, the worst, worst yeah. right? They've seen the worst. And, and we talked about it collectively as a group where where that those four seniors had been. Um, you know, their freshman year, winning three games. Their sophomore year, one. Their junior year, five. Their senior year, 11. So, and I think for some of the other players, the younger players to, to kind of see that ride and, and want to push those seniors out <laughs> on a high note. Right. Yeah. Uh, yep. but just the resiliency shown by, especially those four, those four, those four seniors, um, 
and, and what the youth need to do and endure. It's not always going to be a winning season. Hopefully it is for those guys, the youth, right? But to show it, it doesn't just happen. Like it, it's a bit of a roller coaster, but you can push it. You can push it far, you know, if you stay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, couple bits of the, of the others is um, why I think you said top three that helped get us where we yeah. are. Not wanting to stay stagnant. I, I think seeing tradition from the past and seeing conference championships, seeing um, a shot at a national tournament, past things that past teams have done within the program. And I think the support of, of the families out there, the fans, the alumni, like really, they wanted yeah. to be in a good light. Speak that You bring up a good point because uh, middle of this, of your season – you know, the college uh, started off the season, no fans, didn't want anyone there. And that began to evolve and improve to where, yeah, people could show up. And how much of a difference did that make for you all to just have people there cheering and supporting you? Massive. And and, and I'll go back in, in early September when we weren't allowed to have fans or supposedly people would still show up, but they weren't supposed to be there. So even um, no cheering really went on because people were kind of, you know, hunkered out. And, Mm -hmm. uh, but as it evolved that support and, and really I'll tell you what was a game changer and Shane Calvert, the men's soccer coach. And I talked about this. We traveled with the men this year. So for away games, you know, we'd take our top 22, on the women's side, men's would do the same, top 22. And the camaraderie, coaching staff support men's and women's, uh, student-athletes support male athletes, female athletes. Having them at away games was huge, right? Those 22 players cheering for you or know that they're, you're, they're in support of you at those away games. So, And then coupled with, with the home games and the home crowd and the tailgates up on Bob, Bobcat Bank, and it seemed – as both teams did well, right? Men's soccer had a had a turn monumental season as well. More and more fans start showing up, right? More and more tailgates, more and more excitement building around. And I think that's going to be something that, you know, as a coaching staff, we remind our players, right? People are still going to be here. They're not just here when, you, when you're riding high and winning, but people want to see you do well, right? Mm-hmm. And they want to see you compete. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like our colleague uh coach keith jennings loves to say like winning solves everything and um, people want to support winners uh or another way to say that is just teams that are competing to win and maybe a lot of other people out there think that well you're a college athlete you're a college coach of course everyone's out there competing to win and you are but there's more to it like i tell our team all the time that the race is decided before you're on the start line on Saturday because what you were doing Monday through Friday is going to determine that outcome, not just Monday through Friday, but the previous three, four, five, six months, and that it's decided on the start line. And a lot of it is your preparation and your planning, and uh, but you're also your mindset that now we expect to win. We're not here just to play and give it our all, but we're, we're here expecting to win. And when you have a lot more on the line and there's more at stake, uh, 
I think that's what draws out the best performances. And if you can get a team full of people believing that, like, oof, sky's the limit. Absolutely. And I, I think that was the piece that we had to become accustomed to this year because we weren't you ex- expected in our mind to win, right? Or as a coach looking at their student athletes, it, it they weren't, you could tell, it's like they were going to go out there and give everything they could, but it wasn't, not yeah. until middle to end of the season, they really knew, hey, we're going to win. We can win this game, you know, respecting your opponent, but getting out there and, and getting the job done. So, but I'd say like leading up to the season, you talk about the preparation. I think that's something that set apart some of the players that would, that held significant minutes for us was their fitness level when they came in, right? Preparation over the summer. And, and those were the players that got opportunities straight off the bat, right? And preseason games and things of that sort. Um, so the preparation was huge and, and they, you know, for the, I'd say at least half to three quarters of our team hit it spot on, you know, or exceeded where we wanted them to be. Yeah. Well, your sport is a lot like ours in that your conditioning is, is a big factor in your performance and in in ours, especially when you're talking about someone's aerobic capacity, their ability to recover, uh, their resistance to fatigue, uh, I like to say to our team all the time, like everybody is awesome in that first hour, but where are you at 90 minutes in two hours in two and a half hours in like who then has that strength to finish things off. And, uh, yeah, that, that preparation, even before the first game or race ever happens is everything. Uh, because you can't, it's not like an exam where you can cram the night before and think, Oh, but I'm going to give it my best. Right. Like, well, your best isn't going to be good enough if you didn't prepare. So, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, all right. So, with the success, of course, requires a lot of players that that ha- they have to step up. And it sounds like you had quite a few that did step up. They have to lead, perform at a high level. What are some of the performances by players on the team on both sides of the ball that stand out to you from this past season? I'd go ahead and start off by saying our our back line. We've, we've had an interesting makeup, so there's there's not been one true goal scorer for our team either. Collectively, it's not just one defender, right? We played a three-back system this year, which is essentially three center backs and a two-wing-back system. So you could look at it as a three-back or a five-back, however you play. Um, our Defensively, I felt like we were super strong. That was a big reason that let us stay in games and compete to win games. Our goals on the attacking side of the game were pretty spread. You know, I think our leading goal scorer had seven, six, seven goals, a couple people with five, some with four, a couple with two or three. So the, the ability to spread the goals, we had, we could score from a lot of different positions and a lot of different players, which was great because we were able to rotate on minutes wise as well and not max people out at 85, 90 minutes when maybe they were best at, as a 60 to 75 minute player. Um, I'd say this, Mallory Routon, our goalkeeper, she transitioned in 2020 she was a field player. So last season, a field player, she ended up playing a game or two for us as uh, when our starting goalkeeper went out with a concussion. This year we had three goalkeepers on the roster, herself included, because we had an incoming player out with uh, surgery. 
So we needed, definitely needed two, right? Uh, Mallory stepped up. She earned second team all conference, recognized by the opposing coaches. Um, and she was, had she had all the background of goalkeeping, she didn't have all the training. She didn't have all the, the, the hours, uh, you know, in, in the sessions. Um, but she was a team player and she is a competitor and ruthless and she, she held it down back there for us. So that was a great accomplishment to see on a, on an individual, but team collective level. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I tell, and I say this a lot about, I tell our team this, or I tell our team that one of the things that if you want to get the most out of yourself or the team, you're either overachieving or underachieving. And you really need a lot of people to overachieve and stretch themselves. Uh, and if you can get a lot of players who can and are willing to do that, then someone's going to have some breakthrough performances, you know, game to game, season to season. Um, and and I, I think it's exciting when you can get players who have that ability to overachieve, especially when you change positions like that. It's a very adverse, may not look like an adverse situation, but if you're kind of a fish out of water, I would imagine that's a big transition to make. Um, and so, yeah, I maybe speak about the your take, at least as a coach. Mine has always been that you certainly want people to be working hard and reach their potential. And I mean, who, let's face it, how many of us among us feel like we really truly ever reach our full potential. Right. Yeah. And, and you're always, you're always seeking more. You're always right. searching for more. You know, I, I think we've had a couple players this year, Mallory included, that took on a role in a way that, um, over exceeded our, not expectation, but where, where you thought they would be. Uh, Kat Stiles is a freshman. She, she played as a center back for us this year in the back line, came in, uh, blew the fitness tests out of the water, got a chance in a couple preseason games to start back there and really never let that role drop. And that opportunity, I mean, she took it and she ran with it. Um, so there, there were a couple, you know, we, we probably played, you know, six to seven freshmen on average in a game, which was great. Um, you know, sophomore, we probably started four to five sophomores a game you know, three to four seniors a game. So it's a great balance of, of what we brought to the table and, and experience. But when you look ahead to next year, not to jump ahead too far, because I know still have recruiting season and there's a, a lot of work to do between now and, and next fall at team camp, knowing that you have these, these, these young kids on your team this year, especially those freshmen, that's got to give – yourself and them confidence that wow look at what we did we didn't do probably I think like you said to your point about just being fair about where you're at and your growth and development uh you know overshooting a little bit but then hopefully you know do you see that having the effect of them realizing how close they got and like be willing to do the work it's going to take to get that much more out of it next year. Yeah. And I, it, great, great concept to think about because that's all we've been talking about the last seven, eight days as a coaching staff and really comes in end of the season meetings, um, off season, but it, it goes back to that mentality. I mean, they're good enough to compete and, and, 
give themselves a chance to win. But when they're, when they get that right mentality, that competitor mentality, they're not going to give an option any other way than to win. Um, so for how young we are, I really do think we need to work on, on our ability to focus in training sessions, our mentality in games, flipping the switch and not just, uh, using our, our natural talents to be out there, which is good enough to mm-hmm. compete, but not always good enough to get the result you want. How do you, how, how do you feel that, uh, or what is your perception on how more important, and I know you know this, but I want to get your take on just, um, how much more important the mind and thinking and being as good or better than your competition mentally, not, not so much from the, the toughness standpoint, but the mindset you have to have to make good decisions and how more important that becomes over or at least equal to your ability because you might have amazing ability, but if you make poor decisions and you can't execute because of your, your, your mindset or your, um, your thought patterns, uh, yeah, maybe touch on how much more important that becomes the more successful you are in any endeavor, but then also these teams that you see win championships and who, uh, win national championships, how big mindset and the mental side of it plays a role. Absolutely. I think it comes as well from what's expected from the coaches, what's expected from your captains, your senior leadership team. And, you know, I, I, I tell the players a lot. I said, listen, we, we see you more than you see yourself right? It's, it's, we don't look in a mirror all day long at ourselves. We can't see our body language our right. But, but everyone else around you, you look at me mm-hmm. way more than I can see myself. And so as a coach, um, coach Devin, our assistant coach, and I have talked a lot about this is really watching players and training, looking at their mindset. Are they focused in training? Because that's going to translate if, if they struggle to focus in training, even though they're quality players, they may have a hard time executing the game plan on game day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the, the mental side is, I think, the most important. We have the, the players. We have the athleticism. They have the playing background. They have the team camaraderie. But it's like, can they stay for 90 minutes plus? And that's hard, right? I mean, we, we struggle in this day to stay focused for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, one-on-one conversations, giving them keywords, how to cue them back in. Uh, one, one term I, I use with our senior who, who garnered first team all conference this year, Alexa Todd. I, I just tell her this when I feel like she kind of goes away in a moment of the game, I say, Hey, flip the switch. Mm-hmm. Right. And she knows, cause we've had that conversation. That means I've got more. I got to get connected somehow. I got to turn the switch on. Because when we can turn the switch on, we can we can change, mm-hmm. right? We can make a difference, and it's all about making a difference. Well, I I, I totally agree with you about um, how someone practices. That's exactly how they're they're going to play. They're they're going to always give their all when they play, but those little things you need to execute on if you aren't concentrating the way you need to in practice, you're going to have the same issues when you're playing. And yeah, I, it's something that in our conversations with our team, uh, when I'm trying to make an important point, 
I scan the room whose eyes are locked in and I'll, I will stop what I'm doing and make sure that everybody's locked in. Huge fan of that. Because it is, and I think everyone struggles with this from time to time. You know, it's like you're there, but you're not really there. And it's important that, especially when you're in uh, the middle of doing something that you say is important to you and it means something that matters, that you really are actually there locked in. And I just want to say to athletes out there, like your coach is key off of this. Like you may think we don't see things. We see everything. (laughs) We know who is paying attention. We know who is not. And uh, I've gotten in the habit the last few years of not calling people out, but getting their attention, like lock in. You have got to get in the habit of locking in. And the people, what I've noticed, and the reason why I have emphasized this a lot here lately is the people who are the most successful, you don't have to tell them this. They just do it. They do these things that uh, that we ask of everyone, whether it's their mindset, that's their work ethic, that's their focus, their determination, their lock-in every single day. They're already doing it. You're, you're not really speaking to them. Uh, you're trying to help them get that extra 2 to 5% out of themselves. But everyone else, if they could only go back to observing, seeing, and listening and locking in how the successful people are doing it, and adopt that, emulate that, how much better they would be. So I'm a big fan of that. And it makes for uncomfortable meetings sometimes, you know, because all of a sudden, you know, I think all of us need someone to walk up and just grab us by the shoulders and just shake us. Like snap out of it. Snap out of it. And it's the self-reflection piece too, right? And that's something that we try to bring a lot of in, in the off season. In, in the season, it's hard because things are moving so quickly mm-hmm. and but the, the you know as as a coach too after every practice after every game coaching staff is sitting down and self reflection is huge and that's something that we talk about with our athletes is how often are we reflecting on whether it be our performance whether it be our own mindset and once you're able to really dial in and and go where where do i stand in this area where do i stand in mentality where do i stand in selflessness until you start asking yourself those questions, you think you always you think you're doing the right thing. Um, so uh, those are huge turning points in how far we can go in a season or where we take our team that we'll be focusing on. Mm-hmm. Well, that last game of the year, I know, um, I know that was a tough one. Uh, I'm curious as a coach and maybe some others would be interested in this. That game went down to the wire. You go into overtime, and you lose one to nothing. The game's over. What then was your message to the team? That they've set a standard. That they set a bar of expectations. Um, they were They were disappointed. You know, and fair play to Belmont Abbey. I mean, they you talk about that 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 locked in factor. I think, especially in overtime, that was a group that had it. You know, and that may have been the edge over us. Um, but I think it's like realizing where you know at least McCray we can take the program back, and the standard we can set for ourselves. So 
you know, I didn't say it in the end, at the end of the game, but, you know, in hindsight, I'm thinking, where's the fine line of setting the bar and then becoming happy with where you were and complacency and, and those will be things that are discussed and, and spoken about in the off season as well, because we weren't ready to be done. I know every coach can go back, but on the day, you know, Belmont Abbey had, had the focus factor, had the it factor to, to finish the game. And, um, unfortunately it ended the season for us. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, having been on the, I thought about this as a coach and as an athlete, cause it, you know, coming from another sport, I've, I've made that last out of the season before in a, in a situation where you, you, you could have won, had an impact of winning the game and keeping that season going. And I think the thing, hopefully your team and other teams would take from that experience is that, and I emphasize this with our team a lot is that do everything you can every day to put yourself in position to win. Like what happens after that? There's so many variables that go into that final moment of who actually executes and comes out on top. But if you can get in the habit of putting yourself in a position to win, then over time you're going to figure out how to do it. Right. If, if you have that desire and hunger and are willing to figure it out, go back, go back to the mental side of it. Like you, the, the, the mental side of, of games at the highest levels are decided uh, equally by that mental factor. And, uh, and so I, I, yeah, I emphasize that a lot with, with our squad because it comes down to that many times, you know, we're not being blown out of the water. We're, we're in the gun. We're, we're in the game. We're in the race. We're in the hunt. We're right there. And you, you and I both, we get to see the looks on our athletes faces when it's over with. And, ah, you just, you know, you, you want to give them the space and let them, uh, go through those emotions that they have, but help them realize like, all right, yeah, we all want to win, but you put yourself in position. Now, what are you going to do about that? Exactly. You know, in, when we first, um, in 2019, when I came back, we talked about a program of, of a rebuild in a sense and, and how we kind of traverse through where we are. And I had read a book a couple years prior and, um, talked about turning, turning results around or, you know, your venture to, to see a, the winning side of things. And so the, the coach had described it as a four stage process at times. And, and you know, ne- you don't necessarily have to go through every stage, but it's, you lose big, you lose little, you, you win little, you win big. And very rarely do you skip a stage. It's so true. It's so true. Some people can't, some teams can, some people can. Um, but I think, uh, you know, this, this program and this team is a prime example of just, um, being patient, but diligent and, and buying in and, and traversing through those stages. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're excited. Well, to there's one, see. there's one, that process, there's one way that's sustainable and there's another way that's not sustainable. And you want that sustainable process of, yeah, not skipping steps. Uh, right. cause if you're not skipping steps and you can use that analogy in everything that you do in your preparation, uh, then what what is sustainable going back to then your standards otherwise you can set all the high standards you want but if 
your team isn't making good, effective decisions every single day with everything they're doing, they're not going to be in position to hit those standards. Uh, and so I think that's a, that's a very true, uh, a life truism. I think that it's rare that you make big giant gains uh, and skip steps. It's great when you do, but going back to your reflection point, you better stop and slow down and reflect like, why did this actually happen? And how am I going to keep this momentum going? Because it takes a lot of effort to do that. Absolutely. All right. So one final thing, and this is on a personal note. Um, how gratifying is it to be named coach of the year? It's an honor. It really is. And, and, you know, it, it's short lived, right? It's great for yeah. a couple of days and then, and, and very appreciative that, that your peers think the same, you know, think that way about you. Um, you know, but in mindset I go, all right, more so than, than a coach of the year. I look at six players that were named all conference and I, I sent a text out cause we have a group text thread. And the girls were blown up going, coach, congrats on coach of the year. And, and they were congratulating each other on the six girls that made either first, second or third team. And I said, you know, it's, it's gratifying because none of these would happen without the, the girl to your left and the girl to your right. And the same thing as for coach of the year, you know? So, um, but I was able to kind of let that, that ride after two to three days and I'm going, okay. How do, we, how do we get going in the offseason? Where are we going next year? Um, but it's a great accomplishment. It's a great acknowledgement, I should say. Well, congratulations to you because I know what it takes and how much effort you have to put in to being able to put yourself in position where people are thinking about you that way. Like it just doesn't just happen. And to your point, uh, no one does anything alone. You know, it takes other people to help you to get there, your teammates, your fellow coaches, uh, and on and on. And it, it, re and, and it sounds like with what you're talking about with your team and how you all communicate reminds me of, uh, this saying that I, I, I heard someone say once, and that is, um, success unshared is failure. And that's always stuck with me. And, um, I never looked at it that way. I don't enjoy, that's why I didn't play tennis or you know, some of these or golf or some individual sports because it, it, it just isn't as fun when you're accomplishing things with a group of people and you help them and they helped you. Absolutely. And I, you know, it, 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 on a personal level and professional level, and I told this, I told the group this year, uh, my dad came up, watched about three games and he said, this is the happiest I've ever seen you. And we've, I've, we've won game. It's not about winning. It's, it's about the group of people around you. And, you know, I think I started coaching in 2007. So that's what, 14 years now. Um, it's just, it's the people that make it. So hopefully, right. We, we, we return all but, uh, but two players. Um, super excited to get going again with the, with the same group. Well, congratulations to you and the team. Uh, have had a fabulous year and, you have a lot to look forward to uh, for next season and beyond. And, uh, yeah, thanks for helping us kick off Inside the Den. Absolutely. I appreciate it and love, love the work you always do. Thank you. To listen to this episode again or to find previous episodes, go to our website, lmcbombcats.com. Or find us on SoundCloud by searching Lees McRae Athletics. And as always, go Bobcats. <laughs>